Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 9th, 2024. It's been 3,665 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 350 days since Russia's expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. There are map updates. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with a daily assessment. 1. We maintain that the United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 2. We maintain the operational situation for Ukrainian troops in the FDFK area of operation is in a critical state, and our assessment that Russian forces reverted to a scorched-earth strategy was accurate. 3. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 4. The armed forces of Ukraine are facing catastrophic ammunition shortages. This is the last day for this entry. 5. In our assessment, Russian forces have not abandoned their operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar west of Bakhmut, but they have deprioritized their objective. 6. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 7. Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is fast-tracking its transition into a fascist state. In the medium and long term, this shift will further endanger global security and stability. 8. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO. Mutual fighting was reported in the area of Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. Russian forces tried to advance across the no-man's land between Ivanovka and Yahidne, suffered losses and returned to their defensive positions. Russian mercenary mail blogger War Gonzo reported that Russian troops were attempting to advance into Tabaevka, but were unsuccessful. Multiple Shahid-136 or 238 one-way drones struck civilian areas in the settlement of Zmiev, south of Kharkiv. Private homes, a three-story building at a summer resort, and its restaurant were heavily damaged, and the security guard was injured. In the Kremenaya of Luhansk Oblast, multiple Russian sources reported that Ukrainian forces launched a counteroffensive east of Terny and Yampolivka, 
and were able to retake positions without evidence. South of Kremina, a video shared by the Ukrainian 45th Artillery Brigade confirmed that Ukrainian forces did advance to the western edge of Dubrova. This would explain why the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, stopped mentioning the village in its morning reports. A Russian armored column attempted to advance in the direction of Torske, when three tanks were hit simultaneously by anti-tank-guided missiles at close range. Additional tanks were hit by artillery, and Russian troops abandoned their equipment. The ambush from trenches occupied by Ukrainian forces is spectacular, and we'll link to the video in our situation report. There is more information in the podcast description. The map was updated. In the Serebransky woods, the Azov Brigade made tactically significant gains southeast of Kuzmene, consolidating new positions after sweeping the Russian troops out. Based on the new information, the map was adjusted and the gray area was reduced. In the Lysychanskyo, Armod published a video showing Ukrainian positions under fire further north of Bilohorivka than previously assessed. Based on the video, we adjusted the map and significantly reduced the gray area northwest of the village. Next, let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeastern Donetsk Oblast. On January 18, Armod claimed that the village of Vasele in the Solidario had been captured, but never provided any proof. A geolocated video released yesterday showed that Russia never captured Vasele or Ukrainian forces liberated it. It showed a drone dropping IEDs on Ukrainian troops in the southeastern corner of the hamlet. Based on the new information, we moved Vasele out of the grey zone. In the Bakhmutio, the only reports of significant fighting were in the area of Ivanivske, with no change to the situation. In the Klishchivka AO, mutual fighting was reported north and east of Klishchivka, and Armod claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive east of Andreevka. In southwestern Donetsk Oblast, Russian forces are systematically destroying Avdiivka, while fighting concentrated in the north continued. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported 17 combat clashes in Avdiivka, which is a significant reduction from the last three days. The most intense fighting was in the northern part of the settlement. Dmitro Lehovi, a spokesperson for the armed forces of Ukraine, confirmed that Russian troops have entered the city. Quote, All journalists are asking, and I can confirm that, yes, combat clashes are taking place not only in the private sector in the north of the city, but also within the urban development. Unquote. Fighting continued between the Avdivka coke plant and the sand quarry. Russian forces continued their efforts to advance west, across the railroad tracks north of the train station, to capture the T-542 highway. They also continued to push south, deeper into the settlement, attempting to cut off the Ukrainian troops in the center and eastern parts of Avdiivka. There were no verifiable territorial changes today, but the situation remains critical. A new video showing the situation in the western and southwestern parts of Avdiivka captured the first confirmed destroyed vehicle on Industrialny Prospect. The civilian quarter is being completely destroyed, with a Ukrainian soldier reporting that all of the damage in this part of the city has happened in the last two weeks. We'll link to the video in our situation report. Over 900 civilians, mostly pensioners, have refused to evacuate the city. 
A 72-year-old woman was killed on February the 8th when rockets fired by MLRS destroyed her home. The Donetsk Oblast administrative and military governor Vadim Filashkin appealed for the remaining civilians. Quote, Each of them puts themselves in deadly danger every day. I urge everyone be responsible, evacuate. The deputy commander of the Rosgvardia Special Purpose Mobility Units of the First Army Corps was transparent. Russia intends to destroy the settlement. Quote, we can hammer it, gradually erasing it from the face of the earth along with the remains of buildings. It is in our hands. The barrage, by the way, does not stop for a day. This is a shift in messaging from the Kremlin, which previously falsely blamed Ukraine for the destruction of cities and towns during urban warfare. On the southern flank, fighting continued in the industrial district and near the Tsarska Ochota resort, with no changes. For the west, fighting restarted in the eastern part of Pervomaiske and continued east of the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. In the Marinka Ayo, Russian forces were held at their current positions in eastern Georgievka and failed to advance in the direction of Pobeda. In the Vuhledario, the Russian 155th Guards Naval Infantry Brigade was pushed out of southeast Novomikhailovka and retreated to their February the 6th positions. The map was updated. In the Staromlinivka Ayo, Wargonzo claimed that a Russian attack on the Donetsk-Zaporizhia Oblast administrative border north of Priyudne was unsuccessful. There was more information about the Russian missile attack on Selidova. The settlement was hit by eight missiles, including two North Korean-sourced KN-23 SRBMs, causing widespread destruction. One woman was killed and seven more injured, including two pensioners and a seven-year-old. In Zaporizhia Oblast, there continues to be only light fighting in the Urihivayo. Positional fighting restarted near Novopokrovka and west of Verbovendrobotene. The Secretary-General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, Rafael Grossi, released a more in-depth update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP. The IAEA clarified that there have been no attacks by artillery, drones or rockets at ZNPP since May 2023, finally acknowledging that Russian occupiers made repeated false claims that the plant was being attacked. Grossi said that Russian occupiers restated that the NPP is sufficiently stopped. Quote, Considering the shutdown state of the plant and that further recruitment is ongoing. But added, even though the six reactor units are in shutdown, the plant still requires sufficient numbers of qualified personnel to conduct both operational tasks and to ensure that equipment important for nuclear safety and security is properly maintained. Unquote. Grossi also restated that the inspectors needed to have access to all areas of ZNPP. Quote, it is important that they have access and can ask questions. There were situations where there were suggestions that they, quick sidebar, he means the IAEA inspectors, look but not talk. That is not good. Unquote. Grossi was allowed to tour all six reactor control rooms and Turban Hall 4, which is the reactor in hot shutdown. Here's what happened on the Russian front. In the Krasnodar Krai region, at least one drone struck the Ilsky refinery. 
Russian state media reported a large fire was brought under control one hour after the attack. At the time of publication, we could not verify if the distillation unit or a flare tower was damaged. The main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, UHUR, carried out a cyber attack that disabled the Russian drone control program. The sales of consumer and prosumer drones are restricted by companies like DJI, which use geofencing to prevent them from working in Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine have created their own software, updates and patches to bypass these restrictions. The cyber attack took down the service that distribute these updates to Russian troops. Here is my theater-wide update. President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky dismissed his commander-in-chief of the armed forces, General Valery Zaluzhny, after weeks of speculation. Zaluzhny is number two. The commander of the ground forces of Ukraine, Colonel General Oleksandr Sirsky, has been named in UCIC. The rift between Zelensky and Zaluzhny was well known and spilled into the public domain in November. Zaluzhny published an essay in The Economist declaring that the ongoing war against Russian aggression was in a stalemate, which drew a sharp rebuke from President Zelensky. Zaluzhny, reportedly frustrated with the Internet struggle to decide on mobilizing up to 400,000 new troops. He was also critical of the anti-corruption sweeps of the territorial recruitment centers and medical boards. He wasn't against the desperately needed reforms, but was against how it was executed. His replaced, Colonel General Sirsky, was born in the Vladimir Oblast in Soviet Russia in 1965. His family moved to Ukraine in 1980, and after completing his primary education, he went to the Moscow Higher Military Command School, graduating in 1986. Sirsky started in artillery and served in Afghanistan during the Soviet withdrawal. Before Russia's 2014 invasion of Crimea, he was the commander of the Ukrainian 72nd Mechanized Brigade and one of the leaders who forged a small joint training program with NATO in 2013. He was promoted to Chief of Anti-Terror Operations in 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea and started its war of aggression in the Donbass. Sirsky was one of the principal commanders during the 2015 Debaltseva offensives and retreat. Russian forces blew the bridges on the previously agreed green corridors for Ukrainian forces to withdraw, with up to 2,000 soldiers killed in a massacre. He has been the commander of the ground forces of Ukraine since 2019 and is said to have a positive relationship with Zaluzhny. Sirsky led the successful defense of Kyiv and the Kharkiv counteroffensive. Both were major defeats for the Russian military. He also led the controversial defense of Solodar and Bakhmut. He has a reputation for not wanting to hear bad news, to the point that subordinates are reportedly afraid of him. He also has been unfavorably compared to World War II United States General George S. Patton for his willingness to accept major losses. It would be an exaggeration to say that the average Ukrainian infantryman hates Sirsky, but he is not well-liked. President Zelensky expressed his gratitude for Zaluzhny's service, quote, I am grateful for every victory we achieved together, and thanks to all Ukrainian soldiers who are heroically fighting this war. We spoke frankly today about what needs to change in the army. Urgent changes. 
I suggested to General Zaluzhny to be on the team of the Ukrainian state in the future. I will be grateful for his approval. Starting today, a new management team will take over the leadership of the armed forces of Ukraine. Unquote. General Zaluzhny also released a statement. Quote, in the first, most difficult days of the Great War, we stood against a violent, powerful enemy, endured together. Our battle continues and changes daily. The tasks of 2022 are different from the tasks of 2024. Therefore, everyone must change and adapt to new realities. Unquote. Moving to assessment. Sirsky's previous willingness to accept high losses suggests that his military education in Moscow still influences his decision-making process. That's both good and bad. It's good because he received the same training as his adversaries, so he knows how they think. It's bad because Ukraine can't afford another Debaltseva. At this time, any Ukrainian offensive is impossible. Artillery ammunition is catastrophically low. Some combat-destroyed Ukrainian units remain on the front lines, partially due to the impact of the anti-corruption sweeps of the TCCs. History will decide if the right decision was made. Ukrainian Su-25 pilot Ladislav Rykov of the 299th Tactical Aviation Brigade was killed in action on February 7, when his airplane was shot down. He had flown 385 combat missions before making his last flight. Polish farmers plan to expand their blockade of the Ukrainian border to three checkpoints on February 9 and up to five by February 12. Farmers in Hungary announced that they would block the Tisa border checkpoint starting also on February 9. Russian soldiers claimed that they were using Starlink satellite internet terminals in the occupied territories. Reportedly, the systems were being purchased through Dubai and then transferred to Russia. SpaceX founder Elon Musk claimed in September 2022 that Starlink terminals were geofenced, so they would not work in the occupied territories. The reports came at the same time Ukrainian forces complained about widespread Starlink Internet slowdowns and outages. In June 2023, the Pentagon took over the contracts for Starlink used by Ukrainian forces after Musk was accused of personally directing the blackout of Starlink terminals, thwarting a Ukrainian attack on the Black Sea Fleet in September 2022. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Patrick Ryder, spokesperson for the Pentagon, told reporters that the United States would continue to supply air defense weapons to Ukraine. Quote, there are a number of capabilities already contracted under the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, including the provision of air defense assets. Unquote. The U.S. Senate voted to consider a $95 billion military aid package for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. The measure passed 67 to 32, with Senator Bernie Sanders, who caucuses with the Democrats, voting against it and 17 Republicans voting in support. Negotiations will continue. It's time for Mobix, Mobilization and Mir. 
The much-hyped interview by former Fox News host Tucker Carlson and Russian President Vladimir Putin was broadcast yesterday. But even before it aired, Carlson was off to a bad start. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov fact-checked Carlson, calling claims made in his promotion video wrong. On February the 7th, Carlson said that no Western reporter had bothered to ask for an interview with Putin. Peskov shot the claim down, saying, quote, He, in fact, cannot know this. We receive many requests for interviews with the president, unquote. Putin spent the first 30 minutes of the over two-hour interview rewriting history and going over the development of Russia starting in the 1700s, including the founding of Russia and Ukraine, the fall of the Soviet Union and NATO expansion. Putin continued almost unchecked for 46 minutes before Carlson tried to take control of the interview, interrupting the Russian president. Putin was displeased and poked at Carlson for being rejected by the CIA. With the backing of CIA, of course. The organization you wanted to join back in the day, as I understand. We should thank God they didn't let you in. Although, it is a serious organization. I understand. The highlights of the interview include Putin claimed that the West has realized it is impossible to defeat Russia. NATO needs to recognize Russia's possession of the illegally annexed territories of Ukraine. Russia and the United States have been negotiating for the release of Wall Street journalist Evan Gershkovich, but Washington won't agree to the terms. When asked about the Nord Stream pipeline, Putin sidestepped the question, saying that the world needs to look for who would want to do it. Putin said that Moscow has no interest in Latvia or Poland. Putin also used the interview to spread outright disinformation, including denying he had talked to the Prime Minister of Hungary about the Zakarpatia Oblast, but said that, quote, it is reliably known the Hungarian population living there want to reintegrate, unquote. Complaining about NATO expansion, how the Soviet Union was stabbed in the back by the West and repeatedly claiming that Russia didn't want to go to war against Ukraine saying that Poland falsely created Ukraine and it was always part of Russia, shifting the narrative from Lenin creating Ukraine, claiming the CIA led two coups in Ukraine in 2005 and 2014, claiming that Russia was ready to implement the Minsk II agreement, but Ukraine did not cooperate. Putin said that Russia was close to a peace negotiation with Ukraine, and that is why they withdrew from Kyiv in late March 2022. But then Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, ended the peace talks. He repeated the claim of NATO mercenaries fighting for Ukraine, adding that most are from Poland and the United States. Putin said that Russia is always ready for peace negotiations and the war would end, quote, in a few weeks if the United States stopped supplying weapons. And this final claim that China has the strongest and fastest growing economy in the world. Outside of the most ardent Putin supporters in the West, on social media other pro-Russian influencers complained that Putin's answers didn't target a Western audience. In our assessment, the interview was oversold by Carlson and didn't provide any new insights. Our analysts just want two hours and 16 minutes of their lives back.
what's going on with Putin's purge? The Central Election Commission of Russia rejected the candidacy paperwork of Boris Nadezhdin and Sergei Mankovich, claiming both had paperwork errors and too many inconsistent petition signatures. Before the announcement, some in the Western press embarrassed themselves, falling over Nadezhdin, in particular, as a long-shot but viable candidate for president. Mankovich said he would not challenge the decision, but Nadezhdin protested, saying the commission had not completed reviewing all of the signatures provided. Currently, there will be four candidates on the March 13th ballot in a sham election. None of the alternatives to Putin have any chance of gaining more than a handful of votes, which will keep Putin in power for six more years. Although we're ending the podcast and the week with news in our war crimes and human rights section, it is good news. Russia and Ukraine did another prisoner of war swap, exchanging 100 troops each. 84 of the repatriated Ukrainians defended Mariupol, including 82 who surrendered on May 12, 2022 at Azovstal. No officers were returned, and 28 had injuries or were seriously ill. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. I hope you'll join me next week. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.